0: Hey, everyone. This is Chad. I'm the founder and CEO of Mission.org and the host of Mission Daily, the number one podcast for accelerated learning. Mission Daily was recently selected as best of 2018 by Apple for a reason. In every single episode, you're going to learn actionable strategies that you can apply to your life to become healthier, wealthier and wiser.
1: This episode is part two of our interview with Brian Rothenberg. Brian is a GM, CMO, and head of growth for Eventbrite. He oversaw their growth from 100 employees to over 1,000 and a successful IPO that took place earlier this year. On this episode, Brian, Lauren, and Ian talk about the most important marketing trends for 2019. Enjoy. Number three,
2: for consumer internet businesses, products, will increasingly subsume many aspects previously considered marketing. So this is product versus marketing. Gosh, we should have you back for a second episode on just product versus marketing. (laughs) Feel free to offend
1: as many people as you want. But uh, yeah, what do you mean by this? Um, So I mean that consumer internet businesses, as they reach scale, they often become their own platforms. And as they have enough consumers, the most impactful programs tend to be things like referral programs. You saw that with Dropbox, which is more of a consumer-like B2B, but very important for, for products like Pinterest, SEO, email notifications. Um, And even some organizations like Airbnb have had performance marketing or all the quantitative aspects of marketing sit under product and engineering. I think, you know, a few more reasons why sticking with the Pinterest example, one of the biggest drivers of growth for Pinterest is their user generated content. So as consumers pin something that's creating more content on the platform, that is often driven by product enhancements themselves, not a marketing channel per se. So again, like, Depending on where the biggest levers are for your business, um, those are the teams that should really be driving those. And increasingly, those are becoming product teams as opposed to marketers. The implication for marketing at some of these businesses is that marketing effectively becomes more of a brand and community and content play or partnership marketing. So the CMO kind of shifts to more of a chief brand officer over time. And then again, product and engineering or some quantitative groups of marketing may live in their their own areas.
2: What this reminds me of, uh, <laughs> uh, watching Lauren on video is great. Uh, <laughs> what, what this reminds me of is similar to the IT function, which we have another great podcast, IT Visionaries, for those of you in- inclined, but where IT is in every single part of the product and every single part of the business, like technology, obviously. So, the IT leader needs to know where all the technology is and how it's being used and how those different things. I think marketing is much the same way where you know you talk about shadow IT. Well, this is shadow marketing. Mm-hmm. People are touching your marketing all the time whether it's your sales reps you know sharing copy and this has been true for a long time but now it's like we can actually track this stuff like we can actually get a better idea of how marketing is integrating into the product teams or vice versa uh, and you talk about cross functional teams Lauren did you see have you seen these cross functional teams where you have a marketer kind of like embedded in the product team for lack of a better term
3: I find this super interesting of where where this all is going to end up going of the what is the role of marketing? What is the role of, of product? And there are so many companies, to Brian's point, that have acquis- that are the sort of newer app companies, sort of uh, consumer internet businesses that have functions that look like marketing sitting in pro- product, their user acquisition. I have seen people that are product people trying to write email copy, and they're trying to write email copy to drive acquisition, And I've even- They're They're like, let's talk
2: about the product. It's so great. We're going to do
3: this. And as the marketer and someone who's (laughs) been in digital for more years than I'm technically alive, um, seeing this going, having these product managers trying to reinvent the wheel of like, no, that's not how you write email copy, but not listening to the marketing team because it's like, oh no, these are just marketers. They're just arts and crafts. They don't know what they're doing for this. So there's this interesting tension coming up. And I had talked to um, a growth team that was sitting in product at a very, very sort of large uh, consumer internet company and chatting with them about what they were doing. And they were like, well, we have, it's all the, the science and the numbers piece. And it reminds me a little bit of sort of early SEM of the, so we've got these tons of data scientists. We have all of these offers and based on what all of these people and all of our customers are doing, we have all of these offers and our data science has built these algorithms and based on what you're doing, it's going to send all these different offers. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. Great. I love that you have all the numbers and the math and the data behind this. Quick question. What are you saying in the content? They're like, well, we're just going to email them and saying you're getting $5 off or 20% off, but they're really not having an uptick. And I'm saying they're going... Have you ever thought about contextualizing that? Do people know why they're getting an offer? Do they know if the service was bad or good, this is why this is happening? And they're like, no, why would we do that? And this is where there's this really interesting tension of they get the math, they get the numbers, they get the science, they have all the data piece. But because there's this whole generation of people in the product org that are doing work that is inherently marketing work with no marketing background, never having a marketing class, and in a lot of cases, having a really low opinion of the function of marketing, they are missing the basics of who is your audience, what are you doing? It's not just about the promotion, it is about everything else that surrounds it. So I see a lot of this happening right now, and I think, I don't know where it's going to net out, but I think this increase in tension between product and marketing and what is product and marketing and it's not just happening in consumer internet. It's happening in B2B and SaaS companies and anyone who is trying to drive user growth and user adoption.
1: I totally agree with you. And as part of that, I think pro- great product marketers can help to close some of that gap. And I think because of that, product marketing will be in increasingly high demand in the coming years. Switching gears here towards this head of growth.
2: Role. I
3: think this tees up head of growth really, really, really well. Growth is, and Brian, I would love, and because you've been the head of growth, you've done this in such successful ways. I mean, you have product people saying growth is product. You have marketing people saying growth is marketing. What is head of growth? And one of your trends was head of growth as a title will flatline or decline in 2019. Like why? What does yeah, so- this evolve to?
2: Yeah, number four, head of growth as a title will flatline or decline in 2019. This is contrarian, Brian.
1: Well, I think part of the reason is just what Lauren outlined, which is around it's so ambiguous. You have pure marketers calling themselves heads of growth. You have like even salespeople calling themselves heads of growth, product people, etc. So it's not well defined. There was a lot of hype for a period of time around the term growth hacker, which my friend Sean Ellis coined but I actually hate it. I think it implied you sprinkle some magic fairy dust totally. on this thing. You get a team yes. together working on it and growth will just happen. And I think it's kind of like what we saw in SEO a number of years ago. There were some snake oil salespeople, mm-hmm. so to speak. They'd sort of sell this bill of goods that didn't actually play out and it created a lot of ill will or negative sentiment in the industry. And so for all of these reasons, I think The head of growth title will decline over time i also think in many ways it was a transitional role so i think for a period of time in the evolution of the internet a lot of cmos or chief product officers heads of heads of product Lacked the kind of quantitative growth mindset around user accounting. So, how many new users are you onboarding? How many are converting through? How many are being engaged at what frequency, et cetera? But I think the heads of growth, like when I stepped into Eventbrite, we really lacked that. We didn't have an experimentation platform. Mm -hmm. Our analytics were lacking. Product and marketing weren't coupled tightly enough. And I helped to bridge the two. But over time, it kind of didn't make sense. I was trying to ingrain that. DNA into the company. And as it was adopted by different groups, I sort of was able to step back a little bit. And I think over time, chief marketing officers and heads of product will just be expected to have these skill sets and it will be really owned by the two of them and, and they'll have to work together. I mean, I think that the growth, I totally agree with you on the growth hacker piece,
2: which is growth hacking is not a strategy. Like, that's no. a tactic of a bra of your strategy is like, and it's really, like you said, it's more like experimentation, right? It's more of like having an experimental, like, mindset. And I think having, like, a growth mindset and all that stuff is super important. But to be in this role where, you know, that is the the be-all, end-all. And we have a head of growth here at the mission. Shout out to Dylan. Your job's going nowhere, buddy. <laughs> uh, but, uh But but yeah, I think that it's just it has to have a meaning like there has to be not that there needs to be standardization You can have your growth ninjas and you can have all that sort of stuff Like I think it's all fun and like cool Like made-up titles are fun. Like people are like I hate the word ninja and I hate the word guru and all stuff It's like dude, this, this is supposed to be fun at some point So like lighten up, but I think that this stuff has to like words do matter and like you have to have something that is definitive at a minimum for for your team so it makes sense as where roles and responsibilities lie and ultimately like who just had a growth fall under then, right? Is it the CMO? Is it the CPO? Or, or is it your CTO? Like where, where does that live?
3: Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think even on the, the growth side and to Brian's to point earlier, it's, is this, you know, a three to five year transitional time where we are teaching people to have this. And if I think about growth as how do I drive user acquisition and user adoption, that should be inherent in what we all do. We not just need to market and sell products. We need to get people to use the products and continue to expand usage and driving value. So we're marketing would we think about, well, how do I drive awareness? And then eventually how do I drive on the B2B side pipeline and ARR needs to expand to how do I drive usage and value within our customers when the product team is building the product. And I've seen this with product teams in the past where it's like, my job is to build a product and ship. And you're like, no, that's not your job. Your job is to build a product that people use and love and drives value. It's not like I, you know, I hit my product roadmap deadline, so I'm done. You're like, well, you failed if no one used this.
1: Amen, that is the bane of my existence. I hate that, so I totally agree.
2: But that's what, you know, you you mentioned before this, like, you know, Slack calls their growth teams,
1: lifecycle teams, right? That that was actually a rebrand. So they were called the growth teams, mm-hmm. but they were focused on, okay, like top of funnel acquisition mm-hmm. from a product perspective, user onboarding, engagement and retention, like that's the customer lifecycle. Yes. And I think that they were getting some tension internally around like, well, aren't we all here to drive growth to your point, Lauren? So it became sort of a dirty word, I think this is sort of secondhand, but- some I don't know, just rebrand it if it's not working in your company. Yeah, but I think you know it's the same way that you know Salesforce is,
2: was one of the people that that pioneered like breaking up these sales functions into the different pieces, right? Yeah. It's like you need to have people that are focused on this, like you know whether that's like the net spears and whatever and all that sort of stuff that was written about in predictable revenue. But I think that there's different functions of growth. And I think that at the end of the day, like, you know, there's, uh, I forget who it was, but you know, somebody is is famous for saying like, we don't ring the bell on sales, we ring the bell on renewals, right? It's like growth should be a function of getting renewals. Growth should not be a function of just getting users that we can then like master our churn.
3: Totally. And it is, it is about life cycle. And I think sales, marketing and product need to think about what is the customer life cycle. It's not just to your point, getting someone in the door, it is keeping them and we can't take for granted anymore how many choices our customers have they don't have to be our customers at any moment they can pick up and leave and even if you are locked into an annual contract well great if you are not focusing on the customer life cycle on driving value then you have to worry a lot more about churn and this is b2c this is b2b
2: which kind of segues perfectly into number five which is an increasing number of SaaS and B2B companies will look and act more like consumer companies, which will change the profile of these marketers. Brian, kind of explain what you're thinking about with this. And I think this is super relevant for our B2B audience.
1: Yeah, so we, we've seen a number of companies have great success. So look at Dropbox's IPO this year. They're very much like a consumer product that has been adopted by larger organizations, sort of this bottom up end user, acquire the long tail of customers. As more of those customers move into businesses, then upsell them into bigger packages. Eventbrite also has a very successful self-service offering, which actually acts a lot more like a consumer business than a traditional B2B. And then if you just look at companies historically, like enterprise companies historically have invested a lot more in terms of dollars spent on sales and marketing than research and development. And it's almost like you could get away for a period of time of like build an okay product, and lean heavy into sales and marketing to drive customer acquisition and revenue growth for a period of time, I think software is becoming more and more accessible and self-service, which puts the onus more on build a great product that people love, let them find out about it sort of organically or through word of mouth and let them grow that way. So there's a shift towards more R&D going towards building these better self-service business applications that are freely, freely adoptable by end users. With that, for marketers, there's more self-service, more inbound, and more consumer marketing tactics. There will be probably smaller sales teams to help support upsell or moving up market higher than they had traditionally. So the, the skill set of these people will be kind of a hybrid of consumer plus enterprise. It won't just be traditional lead generation, trade shows, sales enablement, et cetera.
3: Totally. And I mean, I'm definitely seeing this on on my end as well. And it is, I personally, I love this because it brings marketers closer to revenue and closer to revenue accountability. And as marketers, if we yep. want to get a big receipt at the table, you follow the money. A thing that I think is really, really important and really overlooked with self service is like you want a lower cost to serve. You build a self service business. If you're going after a lot of a small business. This is the way to be efficient. But the thing that gets overlooked is. Great. You built self-service to acquire them as a customer. Now what happens? And it is so easy to miss the onboarding process, to miss the customer retention process. And if you build a self-service business, and I've seen this happen, and this is the mistake so many self-service B two B offerings make: is our goal is acquisition, and you're not looking at customer lifecycle. So, and I've seen data on this where the The churn rate for the self-serve business versus the buy sales business could be more than 10x higher for self-serve because the goal of that team was to acquire and they never thought through, well, great, after they're a customer, what is our our self-service process for the people who were never touched by a rep? How do we make sure they get up and running, they're deployed, they're happy, they're finding value, and you're moving them along the journey?
1: I couldn't agree more. You know, one of the highest predictors of retention that I've seen in most businesses is how successfully onboarded customers are. Yep. Which is, I think, what you're saying. But like a lot of people in this this construct drive towards just get them in the door. Really, we should be thinking about how do we get those customers or prospective customers to the wow moment of value where you clearly understand, okay, I get how this works and it's for me, not just a sign up or, you know, first stage of the funnel.
3: Exactly. It is get them using the product and finding value. Because if you don't, you can just assume that money is going to go away as soon as they have a chance to discontinue.
2: And I'll just say number six is just have fun out there uh, <laughs> in 2019 marketing. Uh, Brian, try new things. Yeah, try new things, run experiments and, and have fun. Brian, thanks so much for hanging out today. We will have you back very, very soon. You know, we uh, we love having you being involved in the mission and uh, this has been great.
1: Thank you. It was really fun to be here. Thanks, Lauren.
3: Thanks, Brian.
0: And if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right.
3: Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.